You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The nightmare is over. And I'm not talking about the fans' nightmare with the Blazers. I'm talking about my nightmare of every night having to sit there and watch that nonsense. Yes, I was being paid, but then I had to come up with questions to talk about this atrocity called NBA basketball. But it is over. Sunday night it ended. I cannot tell you the 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 dancing I did <laughs> that I didn't have to deal with this anymore. Did you just roll out a whole bunch of Michael but Jackson? Set, yeah, did exactly. You thriller in? He did Billie Jean Thriller. <laughs> But then, but then, <laughs> although I was glad it was over, I'm as equally as excited to move on to the next chapter, which is going to be one of the more eventful off-seasons, I think, in franchise history. At least one with as it much potential be. as has ever been seen with this franchise, given that they're pretty good with their core, they got some flexibilities to work with. And they're going to have a high draft pick and maybe another lottery pick to not only use or trade. So I'm simultaneously giddy as a, as, as a schoolboy on his birthday because I'm rejuvenated. I'm ready to go. I'm not even going to lie. I didn't just mail it in the last month. I FedExed it in. I UPSed it in. Airmail, international. Like I just couldn't even find the resolve to even cover this godforsaken team. But it's all changed now. We're moving forward. We got Croning yesterday. We had Billups and Hart and Simons. We're moving forward. Before we jump into this, what are your impressions initially, Craig? Oh, I'm Aaron Fentress, by the way, of the Oregonian. All excited here. I was going to say, you want to introduce us? With Craig Bernbach. Anyway. <laughs> Craig, your opinions, just big picture view before we break things down of what we heard yesterday and what's coming in the upcoming months for the Blazers. <laughs> I'd first like to say I didn't know schoolboys on their birthday were excited. I didn't know that. You weren't excited on your birthday? You weren't excited on your birthday? Huh? I was a schoolboy age. Um, come on. I got to carry you through my I'm little analogies. Saying. Come on. Yeah, you do. You do. Sometimes you do. <laughs> Um, so I will say having sat through many of, um, the exit interview process for multiple teams with the Blazers, sometimes people sneaking out the door, you know about that, Aaron, when they, (laughs) oh, well, he just, uh, we missed him. Um, I felt that it was refreshingly honest, uh, that Joe Cronin would come out there and really take on the question straightforward. Say they he didn't say what you see. He didn't call it a nightmare. <laughs> but he <laughs> but he just 
He just <laughs> kind of took it and said, yeah, this, this was not what we wanted. And we didn't want our players to get used to losing. We didn't want to have to do this for our fans. I mean, it was admission of, you know, taking a step back to make, take a step forward. Um, and then really admitting what you just said, how critical the, the decisions will be in the future. Um, so that, that to me was, that it was nice to not see a dodge, you know, and we, We've seen dodges before with this organization. So I just like the fact that, I mean, Joe Cronin got, had to get asked like straight up. So you're uh, still interim and stuff, right? <laughs> you know, like, and he was like, yeah. yeah. And they're like, well, they well, what do you think about that? Yeah. Right. And he just answered like, well, they're showing confidence in me. And the truth is they have. They let him do something. That that's what I'm saying. Like that's huge. Yeah. Like now, he could be the guy that he's got to hope he's the guy that build it back up. Uh, but they certainly had the confidence that he knew how to tear it down. So um, that was refreshing to me. Um, I enjoyed. I like hearing Chauncey talk. Um, there's no proof in the pudding yet necessarily, but yeah. it's hard not to believe in him. And I really enjoyed him taking on what our last president and GM used as a huge crutch, which is no one wants to play in Portland. You can't get anyone to come here uh, type talk with free agency where he said, well, I think I can do it. I think people want to play for me and they'll want to play here. So those are the two things that from the leadership that I heard that it worked. You know, they went in there to share some stuff and hope that people buy in. And I will say from listening to it, it was, you don't often buy into a team that can't win 30 games. You know what I mean? Like that they're in the, right. headed in the right direction. You know, you don't go, oh, <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I felt they sold it and, and believed it. Um, so that was my takeaway, some honesty and a really good job of presenting their case in a transparent form, which you don't always get. Exactly. And we also saw, you know, with, from Damien before Sunday's game, talking to the fans and saying how yeah. it's not going to be like this again. And then Cronin coming out and thanking the fans for basically sticking with them and almost apologizing for how bad it got. And then I asked him point blank, you know, this is just sort of how the NBA is. It benefits you sometimes to just really stink and just go with the ro types of rosters that are going to lose. So you can get the high pick. And if that ever gave him pause or made him uncomfortable, and he said, yeah, he still feels uncomfortable about it. It's not something they necessarily wanted to do, but it's one of those situations where it's like, don't hate the player, hate the game. It's like, that's the game. Like yep. if you're in a situation they were in, yeah, they could have grinded and, and tried really hard and gotten the play in. Great. And then what? You know, instead you got two lottery picks. Maybe if the, if the Pelicans don't make the playoffs, you got two lottery picks. And if it doesn't end up top four, you got two lottery picks to work with cap space trade exception. You like Winslow, you like Hart. So you have a good uh, situation moving forward, but you had to go through two months of abysmal basketball. And it was abysmal. And that's not a knock on the kids. They're kids. You know, Greg Brown has some talent. He, that talent can flash for five minutes, not for 25. <laughs> you know, CJ Ellisby can flash for five minutes, yep. minutes, not for 30. You know, so when you put those guys out there, it's going to look, it's going to look awful, even though there's some potential there. But I thought, I thought it was a good day for everybody there. Um, I thought Billups and, and, uh, and Cronin came off well. 
And it's going to be fascinating to see if they pull it off. But the bottom line is now you got to pull it off. You know, you, yes. you got to do, you, you got to make moves that make this team better. The best part about this really though is that they could do nothing and they have a chance to make the playoffs next year because the team we saw the last two months is not the Portland Trailblazers. Well, they can't do nothing. They have to bring Nurk and Simon. Well, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, aside, can't do nothing. Aside from, yeah, <laughs> aside from bringing back your own guys, which we all, we both believe are coming back. Um, I'm talking, I'm talking about just bringing in new, new faces. Uh, so anyway, all right. So let's move on to, uh, specific topics here. First of all, um, I want to start with the, 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 the trade pick, excuse me, the draft picks, because I think those are going to go hand in hand with any kind of roster move they make if it's a big one. And I said, I think my fact of finch just last time was that best case scenario, they never use that high pick. Now, they, now if they win the lottery and they get top three and they really, really love a guy in the top three, then okay, maybe you take that guy and you just, you just go with it. But my thing is to get the type of player that I think they need that can help Damien contend for a title, if that's even possible, you're going to trade that pick. And I asked point blank. I think I asked, I think I was the one who asked about that. And uh, he said, look, you know, obviously everyone knows it's easier to win with veteran players and rookies, but we're yep. going to, we're going to evaluate the draft and see what, and also see what pick you get. Take the value, how, how they perceive the value of that pick and that player, and then measure it against the value of the pick in the marketplace. So what can I get in the draft versus what I can get in a, in a trade? And if it turns out you can't get much in a trade, you take the pick. If it turns out you can get a really good player in a trade, you trade the pick. It's that simple. He kind of gave a plan A and plan B, though. Right. You know, he, that was another honest answer when he just said, yeah, we're more likely to win with a veteran player, you know, quicker than we will with a draft pick, which not a lot of GMs will admit that, you know, right there, <laughs> you know, just say it. We all might know it, but when, you, when you're looking at the potential of two lottery picks, um, saying that means something. It, clearly, he thinks they could turn the corner a lot faster um, by finding something out there via trade. Because free agency, it's, of course, an option, but there just aren't a lot of free agents out there right now that would fit that um, mold that you need at the 3-4 to be an instant all-star type player. But we have learned in the NBA that all-star type players become available real quick, real strangely. You know, like right. James Harden been traded more times than, <laughs> than you know we ever would have thought. I mean, it's just bizarre when when guys just suddenly become available. Um, who knows what the Lakers are going to do? You know, so that makes a lot of sense. I think that it's going to be real hard if they do get the top three pick to find equal value uh, for a trade. I think that's where it gets because you've talked about it. One of those players could be franchise changing so um i only like two guys in the entire draft to do that and that's smith and bancaro yeah those are the only two that i look and say well if you could get those one of those two i would i don't know if i trade you know because then you have to help you in the next three years though that's the thing like well but i'm gonna i'm gonna take the fentress argument and say you can't pass up on on talent that could change your franchise for 10 years because you're worried about the next three. Exactly. I mean, somebody, somebody bald and somewhat smart said that not too long ago on this podcast. Yeah. And oddly enough, genius. he wears glasses. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that, 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 you know, that's, I believe that that I agree with that. Um, you don't trade, you know, away a guy 
you know, that you think will be one of the top five to 10 players in the NBA because you can get one of the top 20 players now, you know, so it's hard. And I think I made the example of Jason Tatum last time. I mean, look, if if everyone knew Jason Tatum was going to be a superstar, you know, he would he would have gone ahead of full. So not, clearly not everyone thought he was going to be, but he went three. So clearly there's a lot of hopes for him. Um, but if you believe that you're getting a guy that of that caliber down the road, because it took him a few years to really hit his stride, then yeah, you got to take him. He just he's a sixth man or a seventh man on a contender before that. Um, but if it's just a guy who's just going to be you know a good player, not a great player, then you want to get the vet. The scary thing is a Jermaine O'Neal thing. Everyone's talked about that before. They traded Jermaine O'Neal for Dale Davis because they needed someone to battle Shaq. Whoops, you know that turned out to be a huge mistake. Um, so you got to be you got to be cautious, but it's up to them to decide if one of the guys you mentioned is going to be a potential All Star or if he's just going to be a good player. But look at Cade Cunningham in Detroit. He looks like he's going to be a really good player. Would he would he help the Blazers next year as a second year guy? Would he have helped them this year? Go to the next step more so than a, than a Jeremy Grant? I don't know. Now five years from now, or three years from now, Cade Cunningham will be way better than Grant. But right now, would he be what you needed? Now, if that's if I'm making that decision, though, I'm taking Cunningham because his upside is just so much bigger than Grant's that even if I'm not getting what I need right now from him, the idea of having Simons and Katie Cunningham type talent in three years is like too enticing for me not to do it. So it, it's going to be it's, it's going to be tough. The worst case scenario is that they turn down a good trade and they keep the pick and the guy ends up being just average. Then that then that's disaster or a bust. Or a bust. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah, <laughs> that's even worse. Yeah. Yeah. No, so. I, I just think even even Cade Cunningham, the way he played in the, you know, obviously missed some time early on, but the way he played in the last 15 games, I think that's all-star, you know, borderline all-star play. You know, it's different on a team like that. But yeah, I just think, thing. you know, I look at the Mavs and Luka Doncic. You know, like, we didn't know. I mean, I didn't know. Pick three. He's changed that franchise for the next 10 years minimum unless he, you know, gets some major injury. I mean, he right. at 19, he was he was one of the best players in the NBA, you know. So I I worry about passing up on that as well uh to try to be to win 48 games and then be in the same <laughs> place they have been. You know what I mean? Like between 45 and 52 games. So I I'm tempted to to take the pick. Obviously, to me, if it's a top three pick, I don't know what you what you got to give me to trade it. An all star, Jalen Brown, done. But would, you know, would Boston do that though? Probably not. But that's no. the type of thing you no. do. Right? Well, right, but that's I, what I mean. I mean. Like know. no one's going to give up. Well, you kind of know, unless there's. You're right in the NBA. Like I said, if someone gets really, really unhappy, uh, you know, you could do it. I mean, Paul George has gotten out of situations. Obviously, Harden's gotten out of situations. Ir- you know, Kyrie Irving's gotten out of situations, but it it would have to be something like that. And it would have to not be a guard. <laughs> you know, like that's the other thing. Like, we got the guard situation again. Even Blazers trading away you know, two guards, they're still got two guards. And they're still in the size that Aaron Fentress doesn't love, you know, to, to put out there. Um, as two of your best players. So, I mean, you Jalen can play the three, though. 
Right. No, no. Jalen Brown. I, I'm fine with that trade. No, we're done. I'm just saying other things you can't like Kyrie Irving. Like that's not. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you, gotcha. you wouldn't do it. I'm just saying you need, you need forwards. So, which is also something you don't want to say. You don't want to say we need forwards because that's also not the right way to go in the NBA. So there it is. There it is. Like you said, it's such an interesting spot. Um, and this kind of cap space and this ability, they could blow it pretty quickly. You know, we don't want to mention <laughs> a certain year where there were a lot of, and I, and there's a lot of reasons why they filled up. They signed a bunch of guys that didn't, that are no longer in the NBA with a lot of money uh, back then. But no matter what, that strategy didn't end up working. So they got they to the West to Finals. They got here. to the West Finals with those guys. Right. Yeah, sure they did. But not, I mean, talk about those players. No, no. They got to the West Finals with those guys. All those guys right. played. I'm just saying. It's one of the more overblown things ever. 2016 whining just drives me bananas because it's just completely overblown. Anyway, that's a topic for another day. I'm just saying, Crab Myers Leonard didn't stay in the league after they left the Blazers very long. You know, they were not, those were not signings that ended up. They got to the Western Conference Finals, and they won those games. They got there because the Clippers' best players broke in half. No, that was the year before. That's right. All right. Well, you're right. That was 15-16 when that happened. Anyway, go ahead. They need to get more out of this money than they did back then. Is that fair? Of course. Okay. That's what I'm, That's basically what I'm saying. That comes down to having a white guy who wants to be important. You are listening to the Blazer Focus Podcast. We'll be right back after a short break. All right, so speaking of that, let's segue into what has to happen this summer that's be different than 2016, and that's that they have to be able to convince impact players to come here because that's been the trouble for Portland. Can you get a free agent to come, or can you get a player to come who has one year left on his deal, like a Jeremy Grant, and convince him to sign an extension, which he's due a four-year, $111 million deal, which I think he would sign in Portland. Anyway, their plan, and I asked Kern this, I asked Billups, is there a plan in place? How, why are you convinced that you can do something that other regimes haven't been able to do? And they and Cronin said there isn't some kind of grand plan in place right now beyond just Cronin, Billups, and Dame getting a prospective free agent or a draft target in the room, you know, and just trying to convince them that they want to come here and be a part of this culture and they'll have success. Now, Billups said straight out that he believes players are going to want to play for him, that he's the kind of coach that guys are going to want to play for and that he can help lure uh, players to Portland, which is something that was talked about a little bit last summer as him being sort of a guy who might have a better shot of being an attractive piece, more attractive than even Stotts and or Olshay. So my question for you, do you think new GM Cronin, different personality, uh, a former player like, like Billups who has some cachet around the league, do you think they could be difference makers in helping the Blazers land the big fish? Yes, especially considering it's probably going to come in a trade, not in a free agent. I just don't see free agency out there. No, no, I hear you, but you, but you still have to. You're not going to trade the the fourth pick in the draft right. and something else for Jeremy Grant, and he's not going to resign. So you got to convince, and that's why they didn't get Kawhi. That's why they didn't pursue Harden. Yeah. That's you know. So anyway, so I'm just saying you just don't have to. You're not competing against every single team like you are uh, as many teams as you are when you're dealing with an unrestricted free agent. Well, if Detroit's on the block, though, if there's multiple teams that are interested in trading for him, but he has... Yeah, I'm just saying there's some teams that can't take him and don't want him. 
Well, yeah. Same with free agency. Fine. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Either way. All yeah. I'm saying is I don't buy – I've never bought into this. Uh, the arguments against Portland – and I just heard all of them. And I – I mean, the Spurs have – No. They're in San Antonio. Spurs have done you, nothing. You win no, – but they, they, they've signed guys. Who? And gotten guys there. Who? Well, they got LaMarcus. They got LaMarcus. LaMarcus is from there. They got there. LaMarcus. LaMarcus was from there. Say- okay, LaMarcus is well, from there. First of all, he's not from, he's not, he's he's from, not from San Antonio. He's from Texas. He wanted right. to be close Texas to Texas is like saying that he's from that he's as close to he grew up as close to San Antonio as we did to you know to okay. Russia. Okay. That state is huge. I'm just saying you can find excuses for every team. I grew up as a, it, the Nets couldn't sign anybody. Okay, now they moved to Brooklyn, they signed everybody. The Clippers couldn't sign anybody. Right, they moved to Brooklyn. I mean, they moved to Brooklyn. No, but they did. They've signed I'm just saying that people the excuses for <laughs> Milwaukee's got players. They've signed players. Who? I mean they brought in Holiday. They traded for Holiday. All-Star. Right. Same thing that you just said. The same thing you just said. That the, the trade, you brought him in. He was willing to come there. Now, he's willing to come there because they have one of the best players in the world. Now, they did draft that guy, but the Blazers did draft Dane. I'm just saying, Portland's not, it's not, and people talk about taxes. Yeah, how's Orlando doing with no no tax? I'm a Knicks fan. How are we doing? Not, you know, when, when the being go to a big city everyone wants to be a star there's excuses teams that don't do it make excuses there are teams that get it done and win you can find ways to do it yes for smaller markets you have to do it in the draft first and then bring it in new orleans is doing that you know but new orleans just you know they drafted well and they could get there the blazers didn't draft well the reason why the blazers are have not reached a championship uh place is not because in my opinion yes you're It'd crazy. be easier if you were Just the stop. Lakers. Stop. stop, you're hurting yourself. The Lakers, how long you're did the Lakers yourself. suck for? You're killing yourself. Did the Lakers suck? You're killing did yourself. Did the Knicks suck? Did the Bulls suck? You're killing yourself. All these teams sucked. You're killing yourself. Right? <laughs> so you're telling me that being The Lakers have 20 championships. The Bulls won six. What are you talking about? There's no way There's no way the market doesn't matter. Of course it matters. That's it, I'm not saying difference. it doesn't matter. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. What I'm saying is making excuse, you don't have to. Milwaukee's won a title. San Antonio's won multiple. Oklahoma City was competitive. Okay. I'm, I, there, there's some okay. really bad pl- places that people, it's not as easy, but the Knicks can't, the, the, the Mecca hasn't won a title since 1973. The Mecca hasn't won since 73. The Clippers were in LA forever and they were terrible because their ownership was horrible. I'm just saying, they're, you, using excuses for why your team can't win is a waste of energy and time. <sighs> so I like Billups, what Billups is saying. I like what Cronin's saying. And I like what Dame says. We could get people to play here. Dame said it in a podcast to Draymond Green. He basically said that's a bunch of you know, hooey. We need to write the, make the right moves. If the Blazers would have drafted, I, we could go back through drafts and say, how many, mis- how many first-rounders do they have on their team? Aaron, how, how's the, the draft? The, draft, the drafting has been just fine. The, the, the narrative that Neil O'Shea drafted poorly is a joke. No, no. It's a joke. Everyone points to Zach Collins. Zach Collins got injured. Like, if, if I'm everyone, not mad at that, Zach okay, Collins. So, okay, so he drafted Dame. He drafted CJ. Look at Ant and Nasir now. Look at the second round picks. Trent, Connington, Barton. Like, he's drafted well. But he hasn't had a number one or number two, three pick. You mentioned San Antonio. Really? San Antonio? San Antonio... It was the luckiest team in the history of America, really. That that well, we all they know played that the lottery story. perfectly. They played the lottery yes, perfectly. Very... David Robinson got well, injured. Got... David Robinson got injured. 
And that got him into saying, the lottery, I, and then they a, won the number one pick. So to say, oh, look at this small market, jo- San Antonio, jo- that, that, that's not a – That was a – Aaron, that's a joke. Okay. You don't you, play the lottery perfectly. No, no, it's I'm talking about – ball. It's a ping pong ball. No, you play. You mentioned <laughs> earlier San Antonio is a small market team that's had success. No, no, I'm just saying Their that there's, there's way they right, did you, get lucky. Right, you get they lucky, also have a great get, coach. Okay. Okay. The San Antonio thing just – the San Antonio thing drives drives me nuts because – Well, Kawhi. Did you know Kawhi Leonard was going to be what he was? Kawhi was a good pick. I know. I don't – Doubt that, but not a good but, pick. Not a good okay. pick. Okay. Again, San Antonio. I'm just saying, the, San Antonio the, the, and the Warriors. Right, finish. You finish, so we don't talk to each other. Finish. I'm just saying, like you could go through every team and say they got lucky, or, or yes, the Golden State Warriors got lucky. They also drafted Draymond Green in the second round. That's not just luck. They they drafted Steph Curry, and and uh, no none of these none of them were top five picks, and they got there because they made really good moves and they had good coaching. I'm just saying you got to do things right to win titles. And you got to be perfect if you're in a small market. Are you done? And the Blazers have not been perfect. You're done. Okay. I'm done. Okay, thank you. All right. San Antonio doesn't count. I'm not even going to give you that. I'll give you Golden State. Okay, take them out. Golden State did a good job. <laughs> it is, But I don't believe the Bay Area is a small market. But regardless, regardless, they did a good job of building that team. And that's the purest. The 2015 championship is one of the purest championships we've seen in decades in the NBA. And by pure, I mean a team drafted its players, made some small moves around their draft, and won a championship. But their next two championships came because they got Kevin Durant. So my point is, my point is, bringing up one or two examples and then that defeats the argument that's at play here is ridiculous. The bottom line is, in the, if, if I'm a 20, if I'm a 25 year old player, and I'm not even going to bring up the black man part of it because Oh, no, I'm going to bring it up because Oregon's what? 90, just, what's yeah, Oregon? Just what's Oregon? 90% white? Okay. Newsflash. Most black people don't necessarily want to live in a place that's 90% white. That's just a fact. So if I'm a 25 year old black man with $150 million coming to me and I can choose between any city in America and Portland, Portland, Oregon is not going to be high on my list. Period. It's not even a debate. It's not an argument. I can tell you countless black people at the Oregonian back I, in the day who I, didn't I, want to work in the Oregonian anymore because it was 90% white and the city was 90% white. This goes with players too. So that's a detriment I 100% to agree with okay, that. So 100%. Okay, so... 100%. Then, then, then it's not an excuse. It's a reality. Now, how do you get over that? Well, you got to get lucky. Now, Dame likes Portland. CJ likes Portland. Ant likes Portland. So there are players out there who would like to play in a city like Portland, but they're few and far between. And to be the team that hits on one of those is, it's, I think sometimes fans think it's 50 50 and we keep screwing it up. No, it's like a 1% chance at best. Yes. So trade, trading is the best way to do it, but you have to get that guy to commit long term or you're not going to, you're not going to waste assets on a one year wonder. And so they're going to have to convince the world, these three, that they're going to convince a player who has choices. Agreed. I mean, but winning, winning's a choice. Winning is a choice, and people choose to win. People choose to win. Right, that's but, that's everything you said. I agree with. My only part is you have to make the right moves because people will come to win. Portland's only way. They, of, of, well, that, but that's okay, it. but here I'm gonna I'm defeat that real yeah. quick. Okay, you go first though. I'm, I'm just I'm fired up right no, now. No, no, I think I think it's I'm, I'm people will sign to win. Okay, Kevin Durant didn't take Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant wanted out of Gold State and it goes somewhere where he could be the difference maker in winning and not jump the bandwagon like he did in Golden State. I give him zero credit for those titles. Not that well, I matter. There's no doubt I give him zero. how you feel he about chose Kevin to go play. He chose to go play with a diva in, in Brooklyn. 
because, or he could have come and played with a pro in Portland. If he had said, I want to go to Portland, Portland could have made that happen. But he chose to go where? To Brooklyn. He literally chose Brooklyn and Kyrie over Portland and Damian. That was not about winning. Now, he probably figured he could win with Kyrie, and he knows that yeah. he's the difference maker into winning. But the bottom line is he still chose poorly. I don't know. I can't believe so anyone he, would choose he, to he, play with Kyrie over Damian Lillard. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So what you're saying is correct, except for wherever Kevin Durant goes, he's like LeBron. He expects he's going to win because of him, and he has a good point. But he, he's went, really but good. he went to play with a guy yeah. who is not a professional basketball player. He's a diva. <laughs> he's a great player, but he's gonna under, his career is going to be filled with underachievement. Who would you rather play with? The, gro- the grown adult in Portland or the guy who every time you turn around has something going on? And I think Kyrie's really smart. Like when I listen to him talk, really, like, this guy's he, a smart he's, guy. He's a, he's, he's a, great at basketball. Yeah, he's and great he won at a basketball. Title. And he's a great. He seems like a great person. He won a title with LeBron. Yes, but if I'm choosing between the two, I'm choosing Damian. But Durant went to Brooklyn because it's Brooklyn. Had Damian been in Brooklyn, he'd have gone to Brooklyn with Damian. So he, anyway, so it's it's gonna be tough. And I I hey, I hope Billups can make good on what he says he can do. We'll see. But unless they prove they can do that, this team's gonna be the same as it was. This year, they're going to add a couple little small pieces like Norman Powell. They're going to make the draft pick. He's going to be someone who's going to be solid but not ready to help them. And then they're just going to win 47 games, and that's it. And then Dame's going to ask out. Poor Norman Powell. I mean, Norman Powell's he's a good, good. I just, solid he's, player. No, he's and, good. And, no, I'm just saying, like, it's become, it's become the thing in Portland to say, like, yeah, they're just going to get players like Norman Powell. It's like, not Norman Powell's fault that, like, he got traded here. He played yeah. solid, and he's six four. He scores twenty a game, but he's not an all star. Like he's six three. You know, anyway, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, like so we'll it's see. not his fault. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I, look, I I don't. I think it's a huge. I think that being in this spot is. I, I mean, if you had to give me odds on them being at a championship caliber in three years, I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet my house on it because I wouldn't bet my house on almost any, you know, franchise that's coming from 27 wins, no matter how you got there. The only thing Spurs did to it. quote a great movie. <laughs> right. Well, they no excuses. And, Spurs but did even it. that. Oh, they added Duncan to Robinson. Anyway, go ahead. See, you, you know, you just pick out the one <laughs> little thing and you just keep using it. I mentioned like eight teams and I admit that the Spurs are the Spurs were. Yeah. You get David Robinson, Tim Duncan. You're going to win titles. But Co- Ka- they won a title because Kawhi was the best player on earth, and that guy Kawhi was been never been the best others. player at earth, on earth. That that year, no, he was amazing. Oh my god, dude, don't! Was he not amazing to win that title? Was he not the he best player in the finals? Fifteen points per game oh, in the finals. On. Like he wasn't great. Uh, he, he wasn't 15 great. Points, I think, or seventeen. He was okay. <sighs> It's Bosch and Wade. They don't win a title without Kawhi. Bosch and Wade were hurt. That was the main reason they won that title. The the Heat were a mess. Kawhi Leonard, I mean, come on, dude. I I just, he's a great player, but he was not great in the finals. (laughs) I disagree with that. He was MVP by default. Anyway, go ahead, man. Let's let's move on to something. By by default. Anyway, I, I... it's going to be – there's going to be a lot of things. The one thing that I, I took from – one other thing I took from Joe Cronin was him saying you don't have to hit a home run right off the bat. Right. And I'm not sure if that's true. I'm not sure if that's true. Like, I mean, I think that if you're an interim GM and you have – you're in this spot right now and you have Damon Lillard, Lillard 
believing in you, I feel like you got to at least, you got to at least double, right? I mean, you got to hit one off the wall. Uh, I, I don't think, I think you need to make a significant move and that just like a small signing here or there will disappoint. And Olshay would make those moves and then get really uh, defensive of saying like, hey, we can't make the big moves. We don't have the ability to make the big moves. We try. It doesn't work. Because they did try. Joe Cronin. I'm not saying he's not. I'm not. I'm not. I didn't say that what he said wasn't accurate. I don't think he I don't think the way he communicated it was smart. You know, I don't think it, he did him a lot of favors himself a lot of favors the way he did it. But I think Joe Cronin needs to to get a significant player that makes Damian Lillard feel really good on on the, that the strategy's working. And we've not had a Chauncey Billups here. As good a coach as Terry Stotts was, he was not a player that guys grew up watching in the NBA, um, listening to do television and connecting with. I mean, he's mentored a bunch of players. So I hope that's a factor and where he thinks it is. And look, I would have signed with him. <laughs> you know, he's good. Like he makes you believe uh, in those short periods of time. And that's why he's a head coach in the NBA without being, you know, with one year assistant coach. It's why ESPN wanted him doing games. Um, he is a real impressive guy. And that's half the, you know, half the battle in recruiting is getting him to believe in you. And I think he'll do it. All right, just to correct myself, in all fairness, Kawhi Leonard averaged 14 points per game that season. But in the finals, <laughs> in the finals, he scored 79 points in five games. That's 15.8. So I was pretty much on point. But he did have a great three games at the end of 20. <laughs> I love a guy that – I love a guy – if people could see our producer laughing his head off, it would be I'm, awesome. I'm just, I love a guy who admits, admits he's wrong by saying I was pretty much right. Well, I, I just want to make sure the numbers were correct. Look, I need to admit I'm wrong. No, I, my numbers were actually pretty much right. That's what you said. No, literally, that's what you said. I, uh, I did the math wrong. First. Andrew, is that not what he said? He was let off by point eight points a game. No, let me finish. When I so he was pretty much right. Oh my god, shut up! When I first did the math in my head, I did it for four games instead of five, and so it came out as nineteen points per game. So then when I just did it with a calculator, I did five games. It was 15.8. So I was on point with it. So I kind of deviated. I changed what I was saying in mid- midstream. <sighs> but anyway, the point is. Let's, talk, point about is, the let's, point let's is, talk about something we both agree on. The, po- let's the point is. talk about something we both agree here, on. Here's what, I, here's what I think is going to happen. I think they're going to be able to make a move or two. Um, I think they're going to be solid moves. I don't believe they're necessarily going to be championship caliber moves. The one saving grace could be. That if you look at the West right now, there isn't a super team. The Lakers have fallen to pieces. Uh, the Warriors are good, but not anywhere near what they were several years ago, clearly. You've got some good young players around the league and Doncic and Morant, but they're not teamed up with other stars. So the West is not led by a dominant team that doesn't have some fragility. So if they do make those couple of moves, they could become good enough if Dame and and deliver and Nurkic can be bubble Nurk and what we just saw for two months. They could be in a position to have a puncher's chance to win the West, unless a couple teams start making moves and all of a sudden, boom, you got a super team. So I do think there's a chance for them to put themselves in position to have a reasonably decent shot, but they're, I don't think they're going to land some marquee star that's going to put them over the top. No, I don't even think that's even saying much. I think that's all given. 
Right. That's why I like the top three pick. That's why I want a top three pick, right? Right. Because then we then we instantly go into the season with that hope that we've got that superstar. Exactly. Right exactly. Let's talk about right. the one one thing that we can agree in agree on all of us that uh, Bill Shawnley is a legend, and on Sunday and the Blazers they did something right. They let him kind of <laughs> they you know they gave him a a day that he deserved and uh, had him feeling good. Um, and it was, I know, I mean, gosh, he doesn't want to have to retire. Like he doesn't want to not be there. He just, his body at his age is telling him he can't come to the arena every day. And, um, he's going to be missed, man. Cause there was no player represents Portland, the trailblazers like Bill Shonley does to this community. You know what I mean? Like everyone, no one at this point, everyone agrees you know, on, on Bill Shonley uh, being a representing the Blazers. Um, so it was a special night, but uh, I, I'll just say that when I got here in 2007, he, I was intimidated just to say hi to him, you know, and that guy just introduced himself like I wouldn't know who he was and then treated me just so well, like he has so many other people. And Made me believe, like right now when I'm talking to you, Aaron, I think Bill Shonley knows who I am. I think he cares about me as a person. <laughs> but I don't know. You know, like he's met so many people and that's how uh, – and, and that's what he does. You know, he he, he makes people feel um, special in his presence. So um, hats off to him and, and, uh, and I'm glad he got that night. Yeah, I, you know, obviously I've been in this market a long time and I, I know the legend of, of Sean's. Um, and it's, it's always good to see a franchise treat people who've given the franchise all that they have, especially in an impactful way. Well, and, uh, this, this was, this was great to see. And you could definitely tell by the fans' reaction how much they appreciated him. You know, we saw the reception McCollum got. And that was bigger, but that was a player. But the Sean's reception was close. You know, it, it just was. It was close. And he was the, he was an announcer, but he wasn't just an announcer. Like he was one of the faces of the franchise. He became so, uh, synonymous with this, the city and its love for the Blazers. And then of course his phrases, of course, Rip City's legendary, obviously. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was fun to see. And, uh, it was cool to see how, you know, what he, how he talked about it beforehand, um, <clears throat> about how much it meant to him that they were having this day for him. Like he never thought something like this would happen. Um, and he, he'd done so many ceremonies like that before for other people. And now it was one being done for him. And he was extremely appreciative, which was very endearing to see. I mean, not that you wouldn't expect that, but it's always nice to see that someone is really feeling very good about the love and appreciation that they're being, that's being bestowed upon them after such, you know, a long career. So, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely, you know, there's been two nice things that have happened in the last month regarding the Blazers or three. Trenton Watford got earned himself a contract. CJ McCollum got a, a great farewell. And, and so did Sean's. And then, uh, our, our producer here, uh, you have a story, right? Or you have something to say about your, uh, fan relationship with, uh, his voice. Oh, sure. Just as a, you know, I grew up in Southern Oregon um, and my uh, gateway to sports fandom was, you know, the Clyde and and Buck and Terry and Duck and and that whole team and Uncle Cliffy. And, 
And uh, the Sean's was a, a huge part of that. Um, and I think I had the, I didn't have the perspective of hearing them on the radio. It was, it was the TV Sean's with, uh, with Steve Snapper Jones. And mm-hmm. so uh, seeing that montage, they, who's a, a Portland guy, uh, Steve Jones, um, and seeing that montage they put together was, uh, you know, watching it at home was, was emotional. It was cool to see, um, you know, bingo, bango, bongo. Uh, <laughs> you've got to make your free throws. Those are things that, you know, just kind of burrow in your brain when you're a child. And, um, you know, I, I, I think a lot of Oregonians feel the same way that the, the Sean's was just a, a huge role in, in, uh, in this franchise. And it's nice, like you guys said, to have a good moment. <laughs> um, and he deserved it. Nice. All right. Dr. Fentress. Dr. Fentress, baby. All right. You guys ready? I'm about to blow your mind. I'm ready. I'm blowing minds. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We just talked about the Blazers and trying to land the big fish, the big tickets. There's a team out there that is an absolute disaster and has like five hall of famers on their team two of which actually can still play when they are healthy. <laughs> Fact or Fentress, the Portland Trailblazers will be in play for either LeBron James or Anthony Davis because the Lakers are going to look to move one, if not both, and start a rebuild, and the Blazers' two lottery picks will give them a great chance to land one or the other. Why are you laughing? So, <laughs> because like you just you just spent half of this podcast yelling at me about the fact that the Blazers, can, you know, that no one wants to play here, and especially big time okay, star. So, so wait, wait, and then I'll... and then and then you throw out that that you believe okay. that two of the biggest stars in the NBA will will want to because they they can't there can't be a discussion to play in Portland. Uh, for LeBron James or Davis, if they don't want to play here, just give me your fact of fiction. They, give me your fact. Give me a fact of fiction, and then I'll explain. I just, I just need the statement I, first. I feel, then I'll I feel like I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't win because if I say fact, then to to back up what I said before, you you get you see get this to, this to, listen. you know to go on about that. If I say fiction, you just get to say, see, I told you. So I'm going to say, go ahead and say what you I honestly say. believe it's fiction. I'm going to okay. say it's fiction. I hope it's, fi- I, I mean, it'd be great. I just don't, I don't see LeBron. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't see that happening for Le- LeBron. And I, I, I mean, they fit perfect. The Blazers need, uh, they need guys about that size to fill those roles, but no, it's fiction. I don't, I don't see either one of them coming to Portland. All right. So, so here, here's one of the things about me that, that, Leads to a lot of disconnect with a lot of people. I tr- I'm, I'm very nuanced in my thinking. There's different layers to it. It's not, and people like to take the blanket thing and like run with it and they ignore the nuances. If you heard what I said is that if the Lakers look to start a rebuild, if they look, if, so they have to look to start a rebuild in order to activate what I'm saying. That's one. Number two, if they look to start a rebuild, then obviously they're going to look for picks. Now, I'm not sure about no trade clause. I almost guarantee LeBron has a no trade clause. I don't know about Davis. The difference between Davis and LeBron versus what we were talking about before is that LeBron, one, is about to turn 38. I think he wants to try and win another title. I think the places he would go if he were leaving L.A., I think that they would broaden. Like, I think he would 
not concern himself as much with where he's going as as much as who he's going to play with and if he has a chance to win. And so I do think that would open the door for maybe him being someone that could be accessible because I think he might want to actually play with LeBron. And then the thing with Davis, who's still in his prime. You mean Damien. Play with, yeah, I'm not, sorry, I want to play with Damien. Um, yeah, LeBron, LeBron plays LeBron with LeBron. LeBron. He right. can't help it. Sorry, LeBron <laughs> plays with Damien. Sorry. The thing with Davis, who is still in his prime at 28, is that dude has played only 76 games the last two years. And prior to that, 62, 56. Like, he, he hasn't played even cl- – the most games he's played in the last four seasons is 62. So you're paying him $35 million a year. If you're the Lakers, are you going to maybe kind of want to move him and see what happens? And if you're the Blazers, would you roll the dice on that? So that's why I think he could possibly be available only because he can't stay healthy. So it would be damaged goods in a way where you're hoping things would work out at his next uh, play. So again, if first thing that has to happen is those two have to be available and the Lakers are going to rebuild. If that happens, I absolutely believe the Blazers will be on that. And I think they will have a shot because I think that LeBron would absolutely consider coming to Portland to play with Damian. And you think Davis would consider coming to Portland to play with Damian too? Um, Davis. Well, okay. So Davis, Davis is interesting because we don't, we've never seen him in a situation where he was necessarily making a choice. He got traded to LA. Clearly he wanted to go play with LeBron, but if that's being blown up, I don't know for sure if Davis has the personality where he would demand or want to seek the limelight. He might be the type of guy who would be cool playing in Portland or maybe he just won't care. I don't know. I can't, I don't know. I have a read on his personality. I'm just saying, nuanced or not, you went on a long <laughs> explanation of why. I got to get it Top on the NBA players don't want to play, don't want to play in Portland. Oh. And now you just basically said two of the best no. who have the, who but actually not. do have choices. But they're, would. Not, but they're not two of the oh, best. Oh, come on. LeBron's, oh LeBron God. can. Okay. Again. If they LeBron's were the, if a they, legend. Okay, did they, okay. Were they both two of the best players this year? No, they no were, but they Davis when healthy, okay. yes. When, right. No, no, no. Right. When LeBron was healthy, yes. Okay. When healthy, absolutely right. they were. And that's part of the equation. Both better than... Craig, Craig I'm not talking about I know prime that. LeBron. I'm talking about 38-year-old LeBron who's breaking down a little bit. Right? Who averaged 30 points a game. Right, when he played, but he's breaking down a little bit. You, wouldn't, you don't want... If, you, if LeBron at 38 is averaging 30... Your team's jacked. You should not want that guy having an average 30. Anyway. I'm, I'm just saying, though, the I, guy, I when playing, is still a top right. player. and they didn't make the playoffs. And then Davis, who's fragile enough that he couldn't be on the court more than 40 games. So, yes, they're two great players on a team that is, didn't even make the play-in, bro. They didn't even make the play-in. You only got to be 10th to make the play-in. So, so I'm saying is that they're not the same guys they were Four, three, four, five, six years ago. So it's a different. I don't care. I do. They're it's, still one of the. They're still two okay. two all stars that you're saying would want to play here changes, when you just went through a rant saying that guys didn't want to play. Well, it changes the dynamic of the player if the parameters change. Twenty eight LeBron, twenty year LeBron, and thirty year LeBron are two different players. No player in a perfect situation wants to leave the perfect situation, except Kevin Durant. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I'm just saying, like, LeBron James is still fantastic, and LeBron James thinks he's still good as good as anyone on the planet. So he doesn't believe what you think. He's not sitting there going, well, I'm not the same as I used to be. He's not. He's saying I'm awesome, and I'm going to win. Anthony uh, and Davis isn't like, I'm fragile, so I shouldn't go somewhere. I should lessen my value. No. 
They don't. So if they have choices and they pick the Blazers, it proves that people will come to Portland. So that'd be awesome because then you have to say, okay, I was right and I was wrong, which of course you'll figure out a way to say I was right and I was right. Because you're saying that players don't want to come here. They don't. It's proven. And that, and it's proven that they haven't want to come. But then you're just saying, then you turn finish. around, that then you turn it, around and okay, say. I never Craig, stop, stop. I never said it could never happen. I said it's been shown that they do not want to come here because it hasn't happened. I never said it could never, ever, ever happen. I've never said that in my life. I've never said in my life it could never happen. I'm saying that it hasn't and it's difficult to do. Right. Okay, so. But there so is me no saying that, that so me saying that these two could possibly be the ones who break that mold doesn't make me wrong. It doesn't defeat what I said earlier because it has had the biggest free agent signing ever is Kenny Anderson. The biggest trade target ever was Scottie Pippen post his prime. And again, Scottie Pippen was past his prime, just like LeBron. And Pippen was willing to come to Portland. And that's what I'm saying with LeBron past his prime. He might be willing to come to Portland to chase a title with LeBron. So I don't I don't know what the discussion was before. Because I was never arguing that it ha- that it that it had happened before. I just argued that it could happen. And now you're you're arguing the same thing. So I'm not sure what you're arguing against when I was saying it could happen. I never said it couldn't ever happen. I said it's really so tough. So what was I saying? You were talking about Olshay in the past. Anyway, let's let's not. All, I'm just saying it's a weird thing. We're becoming like a, an old married couple. <laughs> we're over already. time. We, we, we gotta we're like go. an old married couple already. We've we, done five We shows. actually like each other, people. <laughs> nah, Believe no. it or not, we Today, like each other. Today's testing that. No, I'm kidding. I love you. <laughs> All right. Do we have time for a no look? Do we have time for a no look? No, we don't have time for a no look. Okay, we don't have no time. No one wants to no listen look. to us this much. We'll have to save it. No, but they're done with us. Even Andrew doesn't want to listen to us. We get paid. And just like to going us. rap, rap, rap. Okay, we will rap. Uh, we will be back next week. We will we will dive more into the roster. I want to do like sort of a breakdown. I'm gonna do breakdowns on Oregon Live of each player and sort of uh, that's a lot of players too. And sort of their chances of coming back, where their contract statuses are, what they what they did this season, what they could offer in the future, and we'll talk about that in part next week. Thanks for listening to the Blazer Focus Podcast. I'm Aaron Fentress. He's Greg Bernbach, and we will see you next time right here on this podcast where we tend to argue a little bit, but all in fun.